Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Next month will mark the 51st anniversary of the Non-Proliferation Treaty, the NPT, coming into force. Only five nations in the world are not members of this voluntary regime, which involves obligations and benefits. But, despite signing and ratifying the treaty, interests and ambitions of governments and individuals keep driving some countries to aim for nuclear weapons. It's a nightmare domino theory if Iran gets the bomb. It could soon have company in Turkey and Saudi Arabia, Egypt and even the United Arab Emirates. So what is the state of this race? Are the others just watching Tehran and waiting for a queue or do Riyadh and Ankara among regional capitals work on their own private schedules? To analyze this program, we're joined from New York City by Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is the former Deputy Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency and a Distinguished Fellow at the Stimson Center at Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Also joining us from Jerusalem here in Israel is Dr. Neil Booms, who is a Research Fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well. And with me in here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and uh, host of Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding. Is this uh, scenario of a nuclear arms race a viable option for the near future? Well, as we all know, Israel twice struck at nuclear reactors um, in the Middle East. The first time around in 1981, it had full intelligence for several years and warned several countries mostly France as the supplier for Osirak for the nuclear reactor uh, outside of uh, Baghdad. When nothing came of it, it struck. The second time around, regarding the Syrian North Korean reactor, it only found out about it um, several years into the process. In the middle, there was also the Libyan case, where Israel was in the dark. It had no idea, and the British found out about it and uh, disclose it uh, to the Israelis. As a result of all of that, the Israeli military intelligence directorate, uh, Aman, has last year set up a new shop, uh, which it calls the Nuclear Farm, where it concentrates experts from several disciplines to keep track of what is happening around Israel regarding uh, nuclear affairs. And the countries which you listed Turkey, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and perhaps others uh, are being watched closely by uh, Israeli experts. And of course, if Israel finds out that uh, there are nuclear weapon projects, it will be uh, in a dilemma because uh, none of these countries are Israel's enemies. They are not the Iraq of Saddam Hussein or Syria of Bashar Assad, and uh, some of them um, are uh, already have uh, uh, peace relations with Israel, such as Egypt, or normalized uh, relations, such as the uh, UAE, or, or uh, clandestine relations, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey is, of course, a member of NATO. So it could become quite a headache for Israel, and not only for Israel. Indeed. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Heinonen, in uh, 
the 74th United Nations Address of the General Assembly, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan uh, came out and declared that uh, either everybody has rights to nuclear power or nobody has rights to nuclear power, while subsequently also mentioning on the 4th of September 2019 that uh, no nuclear armed power is allowed uh, to uh, revoke Ankara's uh, rights to uh, attaining a nuclear bomb, even though he did not specifically uh, uh, mention whether Ankara had intentions to pursue nuclear armed uh, uh, capabilities. And at the same time, we're looking in the Middle East, we see that uh, uh, 2021 is uh, the designated year where Turkey is expected to break out and become a nuclear uh, power for civilian purposes, with Russia building its uh, uh, nuclear reactor. Uh, we have Egypt with uh, a nuclear program also developed by the Russians. We have Saudi Arabia doing the same. The United Arab Emirates already has uh, civilian capacity. And then, of course, uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran with its own uh, aspirations, uh, with uh, knowing now that uh, in 2003 it had uh, even the, the uh, project to develop uh, a nuclear weapon. Uh, of course, uh, it abandoned it, at least uh, based on uh, uh, the information available. Uh, you were in charge back then also on the nuclear file of Iran. You were in charge of the nuclear file of Iraq. Uh, how do you see the current state of affairs on the nuclear front? Are we heading towards a nuclear arms race if Iran would attain a nuclear weapon? Or is it something that is inevitable regardless of Iran attaining such a weapon? Thank you. I don't think it's inevitable. But what we really see here is some kind of warming up. Countries are making known that if there are security concerns, they may use the opportunity and leave the NPT. There is a paragraph in the NPT itself which says that in 100 days if you give the announcement and the supreme interest of the state allows uh, requires you are allowed to leave your treaty, which is somewhat unfortunate. But there is no one single treaty in this world where you are a member forever. There is always an escape clause. So we, we should not pay too much attention on that. But then I see this is a warming up. They are preparing their nuclear programs. Certain countries, if they have to uh, go up in the ladder closer and closer to nuclear weapons capability, they start with uranium mining, building their cadres, scientists, etc. This is what we see across the Middle East. And pretty much now depends what happens with Iran, what is the take of Biden administration under current circumstances. And then maybe in some of the countries, there may be also internal reasons which may call a harder stand with regard to their non-proliferation undertakings. Dr. Bones, I'd like to ask you also, uh, bringing again the Turkish leader into the picture, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, uh, actually uh, approximately a year ago came out and, and stated also that uh, the reason nobody can attack Israel is because of the fact that it has nuclear weapons. Uh, now, it didn't really allude to something uh, specific, but uh, more of, of the fact that uh, this is a deterrent that should be acquired 
potentially by Turkey, by other states. Of course, Israel never acknowledged the fact that it has nuclear weapon capabilities, and this uh, uh, remains a mystery, even though everybody claims to know that Israel does. So this mystery is always uh, quite uh, uh, intriguing to me. But uh, tell me, uh, to what degree is Israel alarmed by the fact that so many countries in its region, some of which openly declare their intentions of uh, wanting to annihilate the Jewish state, or at least seeing uh, Israel disappear from the face of the earth, uh, also in pursuit of such a dangerous weapon. If you were to follow uh, the speech of Prime Minister, the speeches of Prime Minister Netanyahu in the last uh, decade, uh, certainly in the context of the JCPOA and the Iran deal, you would have learned that uh, if there is one existential threat, concern that Israel faces, is exactly that. Uh, nuclear weapon in the hand of a country like Iran that uh, advocates for the annihilation of uh, Israel. Uh, the nuclear uh, arms race in the Middle East is something which is certainly of concern, in particular when uh, you now have more advanced technologies that can reach not just uh, countries uh, country like Iran, but also other versions that uh, can uh, potentially reach terrorist organizations uh, that can take over uh, at some point uh, a, a nuclear stockpile or, in that sense, weapons of mass destruction, as was uh, potentially the case in places like uh, Syria. Um, and these uh, are uh, indeed uh, significant threats. I would also add that uh, this seems to be, this issue seems to come uh, again to the table because if you're just following the time from when uh, President Biden had left the, the White House as vice president and now he's coming back as president, it seems that some things have changed. Um, we've spoken about the, uh, the Turkish statements and again, uh, the President Biden uh, is known for his not very forgiving policies when it comes to Turkey. But also China seems to have been expanded in uh, nuclear weapon stockpiles and developing, you know, intermediate range missiles. And Russia seems to be developing uh, hypersonic missiles. And of course, Iran now uh, developing additional fissile material. All of that uh, means a, a, a potential uh, escalation. And all the uh, discussions we've had uh, a few years ago in the time when the JCPOA was negotiated was also about the nuclear race in the Middle East. None of that uh, is good for, for Israel. Uh, this is a potential case uh, of additional lack of stability, particularly uh, if a country like Iran uh, obtains a, a nuclear weapon and uses that uh, as a, either as a threat or, God forbid, actually uses it. Um, and this is a, a doomsday scenario uh, that again brings uh, all these discussions about whether Israel will go uh, alone, even if the U.S. Uh, is not uh, going to support a move uh, in an attempt to uh, weaken or sabotage these uh, potential uh, uh, developments in Iran. Indeed. Mr. Oren, we heard the concerns, of course, and, and the fact that uh, this region is not clear of uh, this dangerous substance that can do a lot of good, but at the same time, uh, being in the wrong hands can also create very dangerous circumstances and even uh, lead to a catastrophe. To what degree 
is any country able to act? You spoke about the, the bombing in the early 80s of the nuclear reactor in Iraq, uh, and then uh, subsequently under Prime Minister Olmert, uh, when uh, in the early 2000s, of course, uh, the nuclear reactor in, uh, in Syria was bombed. Do you see a certain scenario in which now suddenly uh, Saudi Arabia or uh, the UAE or, uh, God forbid, Turkey uh, would suddenly consider uh, moving ahead in that direction, considering the fact that it is a NATO uh, member state and, and so on and so forth? What can be done to thwart such a scenario? Well, as you say, Turkey is a member state of NATO, And uh, the only uh, uh, nations um, whose membership in NATO also includes nuclear weapons are the United States, Great Britain, and France. But in other countries, there were nuclear weapons, American nuclear weapons, under American custody. But it turns out that locals were involved uh, in, for instance, bringing the munitions to the uh, plane, or there was also uh, a tactical uh, nuclear uh, force, um, rockets, and uh, artillery, where they had uh, some role. They, they couldn't operate the uh, nuclear weapons, but uh, it uh, was uh, recently disclosed that uh, the Dutch and even the Turks had some role uh, in handling nuclear weapons. So uh, it is possible that we may see a country such as Turkey going for a nuclear weapon project, which uh, is going to take uh, several years anyway. And because we have the uh, example of India and Pakistan, and uh, you may say in the uh, 80s, Iraq and Iran, you have two neighbors, two neighbors in conflict, each of which wants to have Uh, nuclear weapons of its own in order to deter the others. Uh, against that, you have the example of Latin America, of Brazil and Argentina in the uh, Tlatelolco agreement. And therefore, there uh, have been uh, several uh, proposals starting in the 70s for a nuclear weapons-free zone in the Middle East. Now, every five years, And I'm sure uh, Oli here is an aficionado of these events. There is a review conference of uh, the NPT in New York. Uh, because of COVID-19, it has been put off from last year to this year. Uh, and during this REVCON, uh, usually the have-nots come up with some proposals against the haves, uh, such as the one you uh, quoted Erdogan, Uh, by saying, uh, why would they have nuclear weapons and, and we shouldn't? Actually, there is a clause in the NPT where those nuclear weapon uh, powers uh, agree not to attack by nuclear weapons a non-nuclear weapon country. So there is some distinction here. But we are sure to see another such proposal, usually brought up by Egypt, Uh, and what it usually means is to put pressure on Israel to um, cancel whatever nuclear aspirations or projects it has. And Israel usually comes back and says, yes, fine, once we have peace with all of our neighbors, including Iran, including anyone with hostile intentions towards Israel, 
we will definitely support such a regional proposal. Well, not acknowledging the fact or uh, the myth of either having or not having nuclear weapons yes, within its possession. Of course, because Shimon Peres, who is considered one of the founding fathers of Israel's uh, nuclear project uh, at Dimona and elsewhere, once said, we don't want to deny that we have nuclear weapons because if we do it and we are credible, we will have no deterrence. Let them believe what they want to believe. We are not saying either yes or no. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Heinonen, let's bring into uh, the picture the Islamic Republic of Iran, which is now on uh, a course of collusion, uh, to say the least, with uh, the international community, uh, primarily the, the West, uh, when we're talking about the United States and uh, uh, the European uh, three European powers, including EU member states, France and Germany, and non-member uh, the United Kingdom, uh, in which uh, there is much animosity um, uh, or a game of, of uh, uh, I don't know, uh, roulette for that matter, where uh, you see the Iranians trying to uh, distance themselves uh, as much as possible from compliance uh, both from the 2015 nuclear agreement as well as from the NPT, uh, while the United States demands a resumption in uh, uh, enforced and uh, then also verified by itself and by the IAEA in order to then move and, and lift sanctions imposed under the Trump administration's, the previous administration's sanctions relief uh, or maximum pressure campaign, which would uh, grant Iran sanctions relief. How do you see all of this now uh, developing from the current state of affairs? Certainly, I, I tell you, I think that uh, President Biden has a deep trouble in front of him how to proceed. First of all, we have seen that Iran is gradually uh, leaving some of the obligations under the uh, JCPOA. Now it has threatened to stop the implementation of additional protocol next week. But so far, to great extent, it has followed its obligations under the NPT safeguards agreement itself. So that's one thing. So more recently, they have actually increased the pressure by taking these more sensitive technologies uh, and start to exercise them. First of all, produce 20% enriched uh, uranium up to 120 kilograms. It proceeds pretty well if you look at the IAEA reports. Now they brought on the table uh, fabrication of uranium metal in a small scale. And this is actually a disturbing factor because this goes back to these early days of the Iranian nuclear program when they acquired some know-how on weapon component manufacturing from Pakistan. So it's almost like a replica of those experiments which were done earlier. And at the same time, Iran is doing two additional things. It's stalling in answering IAEA questions, it's one thing. And it also tells to the IAEA that IAEA is too open in its reports, tells too many details, which certainly raises the concerns of the people outside, particularly in the international community, about the intentions of Iran. And they are also blaming UN Security Council even for such kind of things. So Iran is really going to show that uh, uh, they, they, they are serious on this. Now, recently I read a book of Henry Kissinger, Diplomacy. I think that is something, there is one sentence which I hope that Biden 
and his people will read. And this is to do with the concessions. And Kissinger said that in this kind of negotiations, one of the flaws of the American system is to give early concessions in order to get to the negotiations. Once you are negotiations, actually nothing happens other than additional concessions are required. And I think that this is not the time of concessions. Why? If we look at those capabilities which Iran has now acquired in the last five years in enrichment, better centrifuges, metallurgy, distributed its facilities in wide area going under the ground more and more. It is a very different nuclear program today than it was five years ago. So this is the time to stop it. Uh, and this is not a cakewalk, sorry about the word, like knock off one reactor. You have multiple sites, deep underground, well protected. Military option here is a very, very difficult one, I think. Indeed, uh, Dr. Bombs, with a military option being a very difficult uh, option, indeed, nevertheless, it is being considered by various uh, uh, acting uh, states and, and uh, uh, major uh, uh, states, uh, for that matter. Uh, to what to what degree do you think the Biden administration is um, intent on putting all the options on the table, as was the case under the Obama administration, at least uh, uh, verbally so. Uh, is there a credible military threat coming out of the United States towards the Iranians, considering the fact that they have not yet uh, mentioned that in any of the briefings and even avoided answering uh, specific and, and clear uh, questions on that specific topic? Well, the Biden administration uh, has not signaled uh, that all options are on the table. They certainly have not engaged in a discussion on the military options. They had criticized uh, the, the Iranians, uh, you know, for some um, of the moves uh, that, uh, you know, jeopardized or that uh, violated the JCPOA, but they did not go, uh, you know, above that. Uh, and they've indicated that uh, they would like to create a, a better uh, agreement as they've indicated uh, before that they went into office. To some degree, uh, they have also indicated in other ways that they, they would rather get some, earn some more time because uh, America has plenty of issues that needs to be uh, tackled inside. It seems that the Iranians have chose to raise the bets on the table, not allowing uh, additional time and basically saying, look, we got to move faster and we are going to show you that we are going to move faster. And if you're not uh, moving, then we are continue to move um, unilaterally, uh, I assume that that probably means that uh, the the Biden President Biden will be uh, forced to respond. They won't be able to uh, uh, stay uh, completely oblique to some of these issues, and they will say, perhaps as they have said uh, so far, that they will try to uh, bring the parties to the table, uh, and if not, they may need to default to uh, a different. Uh, uh, at least language. Uh, so far, they had uh, said, they've indicated that they would like to bring diplomacy back. This is what uh, President Biden said in the in, inauguration speech. I think it will take some time before he himself will be convinced that there is uh, 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 no other diplomatic maneuver and other maneuvers uh, needs to be uh, tackled. We've seen the recent uh, uh, discussions about whether military action 
will still be on the table, not so much on the part of uh, the U.S., but really on the part of Israel. But really here, the, the discourse is whether this is going to be done uh, really against uh, the will of the uh, Biden administration or uh, perhaps in a, under certain circumstances uh, uh, with uh, a wink or, or, or a tacit uh, uh, approval or at least not of the condemnation. Uh, but I think all parties uh, very much hope that they would not get there uh, and that uh, the, some degrees of, uh, of pressure uh, will uh, be applied so that uh, uh, this uh, recent development will, will not get us uh, to the brink uh, of uh, uh, really another uh, potential uh, military campaign or even worse than that, a nuclear war. Indeed. Uh, we're drawing near to the end of the program today, and I'd, I'd actually like to ask uh, Dr. Heinonen, uh, in recent uh, weeks there's been various reports about uh, the breakout time necessary for Iran before it would be able to acquire a first nuclear bomb uh, with the Israeli military intelligence directorate. Uh, speaking about two years, while other intelligence agencies, uh, including Western ones, communicating about between four months to one year uh, with information available to them. Uh, with uh, the fact of Iran installing new cascades, advanced centrifuges of IR-6 and, and other aspects of that, uh, from a technical point, without the, the military component to it, how long does it require Iran to actually acquire first bomb? Well, I think that we have a problem of definitions here. Because customarily here in the US, people say the breakout time is the time which is required to produce enough highly enriched uranium for one nuclear device. And if you take that benchmark, it's a fairly easy to calculate based on the Iranian centrifuges, number of centrifuges and their capabilities, it will be that two, three months, which you said, with the current uh, materials, uh, materials and current centrifuges. And they can certainly ramp it up quickly if they want to install additional centrifuges, particularly IR2Ms or IR6s. But I think that what the IDF has been talking is something different. Uh, they see it as a breakout, as a moment I think when there is an actual nuclear weapon which can be delivered to its destination, which is certainly much more complicated, you need first to produce the material. Okay, after three months, then you need to manufacture, test, and uh, deploy the weapon. Have to have a uh, reliable missile or other ways to take it to the destination. And how you define those steps? I think that this is for the IDF to explain to the Indeed. public how did they come to two years? What is in that two years? The deterrence factor may arise before that two years because of all uncertainties associated for such a development uh, process. So I hope that uh, they explain it and that is not a political statement, but is really based on some kind of facts which everyone can understand in Israel. Indeed, and this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Heinonen, Dr. Bohms, as well as Mr. Owen for being in today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. 
For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.